It's Wednesday the 6th of May. Katie and I have got something quite exciting to do this afternoon. We're going to be speaking to children's author Caroline Lawrence, who is also a friend of mine. I got to know her many years ago when I was working in publishing and we went on the road together on lots of book tours and things like that. We always had lots of fun together. And she introduced me to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did you know that? No. Which became one of my favourite programmes. So I'm still grateful to her for that. We definitely shared a sense of humour and liked the same sort of films and TV shows and things. So we always had lots to talk about when we were doing tours. But Katie's also a really big fan of the Roman Mysteries book series that Caroline is best known for. You've read them all with Daddy, haven't you? Yeah. What was your favourite one? Uh, the Dolphins of Laurentium. Of Laurentum. Yeah. What happens in that that you like? Can you remember? I like it's got dolphins. How, yeah. I like how Lupus finds out that. Don't someone, do any spoilers for people who haven't read them. is there, yeah. There's a mystery revealed that you yeah. like. Keep it loose because some people might not have read them. Would you recommend them to other people? Yeah. It has to be in order though. Yes, you have to read them in order because the characters all go through a real journey together, don't they? Yeah. There's a real arc to their story. The series of Roman Mysteries is about four friends in ancient Rome. Well, they become friends over the course of the story. They're not all friends to start with, are they? They all meet. Yeah. And you sort of follow their journey together. And they're all very different with very different backgrounds and challenges. And then they end up all solving mysteries together, hence the Roman Mysteries. But what I love about those books is they are peppered with lots of historical facts. I've always liked historical fiction. And you find out a lot as you're reading them, don't you? Yeah. It makes you want to learn more. So Katie's kind of excited to talk to Caroline Lawrence and meet one of her author heroes. And she's going to do an interview with her for our podcast. So in a minute, we're just going to zoom with Caroline and see her where she is in her flat in London. Can't wait. How are you feeling today? I am feeling good today and I have a coronavirus app that it says it checks in on you every day and every day I have to tap it and say I am feeling physically normal or <laughs> I do not feel quite right <laughs> today. Thank goodness as in all other days I am feeling physically normal and actually I'm quite positive too. My mental state is quite positive because I live by the river so I can just look out at the river and the birds and the people and feel happy. Got a very, very packed uh, bookcase behind you. Oh, that is just one of many. I have probably about 4,000 books in this flat, which is a small flat. And my husband has some too, but that bookshelf you see behind me is only one. I have two more exactly like it either side. I have books in the bathroom, a whole wall of books in our bedroom, and a whole wall of books in our living room too. How would you describe yourself to someone who had never met you? That's a really good question. I'm a loud American and a bit bossy and I'm a bit of a know-it-all, but I'm also an introvert. I like spending a lot of time on my own. And um, I'm really enthusiastic about things. I really just, love life and love so many aspects of life. I love history. I love reading. I love movies. I love living in London. 
So I just love lots of things. What did you think you would be when you grew up? Oh, well, I was really influenced by books and by movies and by TV. So the first thing I wanted to be when I was a kid was um, an astronaut on the Starship Enterprise <laughs> from Star Trek. But then I realized that that's not real. And then I wanted to study baboons in East Africa because of a movie I saw set in East Africa. And I thought it would be really cool to live in East Africa. But then I realized if you wanted to study baboons, you'd have to be quite good at biology and not mind mosquitoes and like peeing in the bushes. And I'm not good at biology. I don't like mosquitoes and I hate peeing in the bushes. <laughs> then thank goodness I discovered, um, I read a book when I was 18 set in ancient Greece. And I got interested in the ancient world of ancient, the world of ancient Greece and Rome. And I started to study ancient Greek. And that was finally I found something I liked that I was good at. When did you first think about becoming a writer? I was a teacher for a while. I'd always thought it would be fun to be a writer, but um, I'd been teaching for about 10 years and I taught kids about your age in, you know, like you're six and you're four, five, and six. And I loved it, but it was really hard work. And I thought, what could I do that would be almost as fun as being a teacher, but a little bit less exhausting? And I thought, I know I'll be a writer. Because, and originally I wanted to write movies, screenplays. But yeah. then my sister said, why don't you write a book for kids? And I thought, yes, I'll write a book for kids like the books I used to love, which were Nancy Drew mystery stories. But I thought I can set them in ancient Greece and or Rome. And so I could do a kind of mashup. So that was how I got started writing. I love movies and I love books, but probably my biggest influence was a book I read when I was about 18 or 19 called The Last of the Wine by Mary Reynolds, who was a British author. And it's set in ancient Greece, in ancient Athens, about 500 BC before Jesus was born. And um, it was like a time machine. It took me back and it got me obsessed with ancient Greece. And then once I started to study ancient Greek, they said, oh, you have to do Latin too. We call it classics. So then I did Latin and discovered the Romans are even cooler than the Greeks. But that book probably changed my life, I think. Who is your favorite children's author apart from yourself and why? <laughs> Oh, that's a really good question. I have lots of friends who are children's authors, so I don't want to um, insult one of them by naming another one. So I'll name an author who's dead, and his name is Gerald Durrell, and he wrote a book called My Family and Other Animals, set on the Greek island of Corfu, and I love that book. It's one of my comfort books that whenever I get depressed or down, I read it and I laugh, and it transports me to this beautiful Greek island. Can you tell me a fun or surprising story from your time as an author? A fun or surprising story? There are lots of fun and surprising stories. The most fun and surprising story was one of the best moments in my life when about 15 years ago in 2007, well, that's 13 years ago, strictly 2006. Anyway, about that, I went to North Africa 
to watch them filming a TV series based on my books. And to come up, to come up with an idea in your head for a girl like a girl detective in ancient Rome and then create the characters and write the book and then have grown-ups pay thousands of pounds to act it out and dress up and get actors and sets and costumes and directors and cameramen and sound people. It's just amazing. There were all these people acting out an idea that I had in my head, which was a bit like being God. And um, and they had all the extras were like these wonderful Tunisian local people who really looked Roman. They had the olive skin and the dark eyes and the women were really beautiful and exotic looking. And when they dressed them up to look like Romans, it was like going back in time. So that was probably one of my best moments. What is an average day like for you and how's, has lockdown affected your usual routine? That's a really good question. Actually, my average day is, um, there's actually a spread of my average day in my most recent book, which is modestly called How to Write a Great Story. And I know your listeners can't see it, but there's a double page spread, a kind of like a comic book or a graphic novel of my day. And I wake up at about 5.30 full of ideas and I do about 30 minutes of yoga and prayerful meditation. And then I do some writing and then I have breakfast around nine or 10. I try to hold off breakfast as long as I can. And then I do some more writing on a good day. And then I have lunch and then I go for a walk in nature, like in a park or by the river. And then I have a power nap, which is my secret. And then I have lunch with my husband around six o'clock and he cooks, he's a brilliant cook. And then I do some admin and invoices after dinner. And oh, we watch TV while we eat our dinner. And then we watch some more TV after I've done my admin. And then I go to bed, we read in bed. We go to bed at about 11 or 11.30, read in bed for a little while and the lights go out about midnight. So that is my day. And it has not changed much in lockdown, except that now I can't go out for coffee with my girlfriends and I can't go to the movies sometimes to do research. What do you do for fun when you aren't writing? When I'm not writing for fun, I read, I listen to podcasts and I go for walks. And I try not to watch telly or movies during the day. I try to save them for dinner time and after dinner. What, what are your most treasured possessions? Oh, that's a really good question. I hate to say it, but my most treasured possession is my phone because it has all my photos on it, has tons of books on it, it has interviews on it, it has just so much stuff on it and all my connections and stuff. But one of my um, treasured possessions is an ancient oil lamp made of clay that comes from Roman Egypt. And you used to fill it with um, olive oil and put a little piece of string called a wick in it and light it. You are best known for the popular Roman mystery series. What inspired you to choose that setting? Um, when my sister in 1999 said, why don't you write a book for kids set in ancient Rome, I had a light bulb moment. It was like an invisible light bulb went on over my head, bing! And I thought, I can do girl detective in ancient Rome. And of course I thought, 
the most exciting thing that ever happened in Roman times was the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. So I thought at first that my girl detective would live in Pompeii and witness the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. So that gave me not just a place, Pompeii, and not just a year, AD 79, but a month we think we know that it happened in August, though now they think maybe it was October, but 20 years ago, we were pretty sure it was like the 24th of August, 7980. So I knew exactly what day it would be. And then I thought, well, I won't actually have her live in Pompeii. I'll have her visit Pompeii and she can live in Ostia, the seaport of Rome, which is somewhere I visited when I was 18. And it was like the, one of the most magical places I've ever been. I also have an ancient coin from the period of Domitian. And he was one of my, um, he's the bad guy in my books. And um, the coin, there were several different types of coins. There was a Cistercius, there was a Denarius, but this type of coin is called an ass, A-S. So I've also, I've actually got an ass of Domitian, <laughs> which is a bit silly, but I like it. Was it hard researching all the facts for the series? No, because I love to do research. That's one of my favorite things is I love reading books and going to museums and searching on the internet and talking to people. So that was the most fun thing to do of all. Have you been to Ostia ever? No. Oh, well, when you go, it's magical. It's like there's something, the word is numinous, and it comes from the Latin word numen, which means the nod, as if Jupiter is nodding and saying, yes, I confer my blessing upon this place. Have you been to all of the places featured in the books? I, when I wrote The Slave Girl from Jerusalem, I had never been to Jerusalem. But now I have been for one, I went for one afternoon in 2014. But in The Slave Girl from Jerusalem, she talks about a place called Masada, which is in the um, desert, and I've never been there. But almost all the other places in my books, I have been there to do research, in inverted commas. Which was your favorite place and why? No, pro no question that I love Austria a lot. But I think Sorrentum or Sorrento, as it's known now, was my favorite place because it's on the Bay of Naples near Pompeii and it's just got the sea and the blue sky and lemon groves and lemon ice cream and pizzas. And it's, it's just the most, one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I fell in love with Sorrento and I've set two books two or three books in Sorrento. Uh, do you think it is weird that girls were ma made to marry so young in Roman times? And how did you feel about writing about this subject? Yeah, um, girls marry young in many primitive cultures, and even today in many cultures, um, because um, you get married as soon as you can start to have children. So. Um, and I think one reason they did it in Roman times was because life expectancy was not very long. If you lived to be 30, that was good. And so you wanted to get in there and have your kids as soon as you could. But the men often were older 
um, and I wanted to show surprising aspects of ancient Rome. So obviously, I would hate to get married at the age of 14, but I actually met a woman once who was from uh, Syria who got married when she was eight, when she was 14, who's alive today. So it still happens today. Did Romans really kidnap children and treat them as badly as you described? Yes, they did. Um, and because slavery was a real um, industry and um, usually you got slaves by owning slaves and if they had kids, they became your slaves because your slaves were already your possessions or you would buy slaves who'd been captured in, um, in a war or an uprising, or if someone had just grabbed a kid and kidnapped them from another country and brought them to a new slave market, you, it, there was no phones in those days, no internet, no way of tracing your child. So definitely kidnappers were a real uh, problem. And, and you could sell a, a freeborn girl like you would fetch quite a good price. <laughs> Especially as you, I can see you have really good teeth. So they liked you if you had good teeth and looked like you could work hard. <laughs> if an ancient Roman was alive now, do you think they would have any advice about fighting COVID-19? Oh, that's a really good question because they did have plagues in ancient times as well as now. And but they had a terrible plague in the middle of the third century, about 250 AD. They had this terrible plague called the Plague of Cyprian, where people walked around like zombies, bleeding out of their eyes and ears. And it was horrible. And it was so much worse than COVID-19. So they would say, you guys have got it lucky. All you have to do is wash your hands and stay away from each other. Easy peasy. <laughs> Which character in the Roman mysteries is most like you? Oh, definitely Flavia, because she's a knowy, she's a bossy know-it-all like me. Except she's blonde and blue-eyed, whereas I have curly dark hair and brown eyes. How did you come up with the characters' names? Um, that's a really good question. My original idea was for Flavia to be half Jewish and her name was going to be Abigail. But then I thought I'd have four characters. Nubia was easy. That's the name of the country she's from. Lupus was easy. It means wolf and he's a bit savage and wild. Jonathan's Jewish, so I chose... Did you like putting up characters in danger? I don't like it, but you have to do it when you're an author. Because if you're if your characters just get up and have a nice meal and go to bed, it's really boring. So you've got to put them in threat and peril and you've got to torture them sometimes even. So yeah. I hate doing that. And when I was writing my fourth book, The Assassins of Rome, um, where poor Jonathan gets captured and branded, um, I was walking around with a really long, sad face and my friends were going, what's wrong with you? Why are you so sad? And I couldn't really say, well, one of my characters is going through a really hard time at the moment. <laughs> Which book did you most enjoy writing and why? Oh, that's a really easy one to answer. It was my third book, which was called The Pirates of Pompeii. And I fell in love with that book because it's set in Sorrento, the place I told you I loved in near Naples in Italy. 
And um, I really love the characters and it's set in this beautiful villa with marble and fountains and mosaics. And uh, that was the best book I've ever, the most fun I've ever had writing a book, The Pirates of Pompeii. If you could meet any of the real historical characters who have been featured in your books, who would it be and why? Since the Roman Mysteries, you have also published The Roman Quest, The Western Mysteries and The Time Travel Diaries. Tell me more about those. Which was the most fun to write and why? Well, probably the most fun were the Western Mysteries or what they're called the P.K. Pinkerton Mysteries because they're set in America in the Wild West and I had a lot of fun going to America and researching them. But um, then I got back to my own period, which is the Roman and the Greek period, and I really enjoyed writing the Time Travel Diary, the first one, which was set in Roman London, and it's based on the bones of a real skeleton of a 14-year-old girl they found. And then I've just finished writing my second time travel diary, which is set in ancient Athens in the time of um, the philosopher Socrates and Plato. And that kind of takes me back to the first, that book that changed my life, The Last of the Wine, which was also about in the time of Socrates and Plato. So I've gone back to ancient Athens and I try to transport you back too, so that you know what it would have been like to live in ancient Athens. I'd love to meet Cleopatra, but she's not actually in any of my books. I'd love to see what she really looks like because she wasn't really beautiful, but she was really charismatic and clever. But of the characters in my books, it would either be Pliny the Younger or Pliny the Elder. And I <laughs> think it would probably be Pliny the Younger because he was a bit of an introvert like me, he liked to sit in his room and write. So I'd like to meet Pliny the Younger. Are you working on uh, anything at the moment and how is it going? You also published a book for kids called How to Write a Great Story. What is your number one tip for inspiring storytellers? My number one tip for storytellers is um, write every day as regularly as brushing your teeth train yourself to write even if it's just for five or ten minutes a day but if you can actually write for 20 minutes every morning first thing just stream of consciousness you will come up with amazing ideas and become an amazing writer but i've got like tons of tips in here including my secret formula for writing a really exciting story which has seven steps a Hebrew name, but Flavia or Flavia means light brown, and it was a common girl's name. And so I thought Flavia Gemina means twin, which means she's got light brown hair and comes from a family of twins. So that was a really cool name. I'm working on the third time travel diary. Um, in the first one, they go back to Roman London to find this beautiful 14 year old girl who had blue eyes and an ivory knife. Uh, but she died when she was 14. And in the second book, they go back to meet the ancient philosopher Socrates, who's sometimes called the wisest man who ever lived. And in the third book, they're going to go back and meet Jesus as a kid when he was about 12 or 13. So they're going to meet teen Jesus. And so I'm researching ancient Israel 
and I'm having a lot of fun doing the research, but the writing is really hard because of the COVID lockdown. I don't know why, but I'm finding it really hard to focus. And a lot of my friends are finding it hard to focus as well. But I'm having lots of fun doing the research. If zombies were invading your house, what would you grab as a weapon? Okay, if zombies were invading my house, oh, I'll tell you exactly what. We have got a cast iron frying pan that is a lethal weapon. <laughs> and it's so heavy, I have to hold it with both hands. And you could bash, everyone knows you have to hit the zombie in the head, right? You mm -hmm. could bash their brains out with that. So it's our cast iron frying pan. <laughs> now it's quiz time. I'm going to read you some quotes from your books to see if you can remember which uh, one they came from. No, I'll be terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, some people wor worship the mongoose. I think, oh gosh, is it from the Assassins of Rome? It's from the scribes, uh, the scribes from Alexandria. Oh, the scribes from Alexandria. Jonathan came, baby's voice from above. Are you alive? Is that from the Pirates of Pompeii? It's no. from the, the prophet from... Ephesus. Oh, the prophet from Ephesus. Go! <laughs> um, the line had reached the bottom step of the temple. Okay, that is from the 12 tasks of Flavia Gemina. Yeah. And I know the name of the lion is Monobaz. <laughs> I think, what does that say? Jackass is a password for Christians because they worship the donkey. The jackass, that must be from the secrets of Vesuvius. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, a tear rolled down Flavia's cheek. She wiped at it angrily. A tear, she cries quite a lot, so I'm not sure which book that's in. I've got two right and two wrong so far. Let's see if I can get this book. I'm gonna guess The Thieves of Ostia. Yes. Yay! Thank you for talking to me. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you, Katie. Those were brilliant questions. I'm sure you have a future as an interviewer or a broadcaster. So how was the interview, Katie? It was good. Did you it enjoy was... meeting Caroline? Yeah, it was lovely. It's nice when you can talk to interesting people even though you're stuck in lockdown. Yeah. We might not have ever organised that if we weren't in lockdown. Yeah. So sometimes you have to try and look for the positive things that can come out of these situations, I think. So thank you, Caroline, for speaking to us today. It was really lovely to see you again. We yeah. hope that our listeners enjoyed hearing a bit more about Caroline Lawrence and if you haven't already read her books go and read them there's lots to choose from now Roman Mysteries, Western Mysteries, Time Travel Diaries and the Roman Quests and the short Roman mini mysteries oh, yeah and also she's written a book about how to write stories called How to Be a Great Writer